Hey there, listeners. Richard and Tara were recently guests on the No Nonsense podcast, hosted by our former guests, Mark Davis and Lee Brett Schneider. So be sure to check that out. You can find a link to it on our post for this episode or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, and by the way, we're on Spotify now. feel pretty good about that. So please find us and follow us there. Now, the show. One, two, three... Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that builds biographical bridges between our guests and you, the listener. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Nancy Stetson. Nancy's an award-winning arts and entertainment writer and critic. She was a regular writer for the Chicago Tribune, where her beat included music, theater, books, and pop culture. Here in Southwest Florida, she's worked for a couple of daily papers. She's been a Florida Weekly staff member since its inception, covering and reviewing the arts. She can usually be found in the theater on opening nights. Born and raised in New York City, Nancy says she's been listening to music since she's had ears. She also writes plays and earlier this year had two 10-minute plays produced at Laboratory Theater of Florida. She says she's slowly learning how to play the cello with kids from the Heights Center in Fort Myers, starting with the other beginners in kindergarten. She has two cats, Metro and Byline, and she was the first person who ever wrote a story about our podcast in Florida Weekly and has been on our list ever since. So now, how about we hear Nancy's song stories? Hey there, Nancy. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing really good. Thanks for coming in and doing this. I didn't realize I was the first person to write about you yeah, guys. Yeah, you guys, we, you, you were <laughs> how we broke into the media. Um, okay, I'm going to start with cello with kindergartners. So what's that all about? <laughs> Let's talk about your cello experiences. Well, it was a story that was assigned to me. And um, I have to admit that initially I was not real keen on doing it because uh, I don't know a lot about classical music, mm-hmm. first of all. Second of all, kids are just notoriously not articulate. Yeah, for interviews. They don't have the vocabulary. Yeah, and they got little one answers. And one yeah, word one word answers, answers <laughs> or, or keep saying the same thing or, uh, you know, so I thought, oh, this is going to be a challenge. And I went over to the Height Center and uh, I think these kids were kindergarten through second grade. And I saw what they were doing, and they were playing. Uh, at that at that point, it was all strings, so it was um, violin, viola, cello, bass, and they were just having the greatest time. And they were shouting out the note, you know, A D D A, and then they would like stomping on the floor. And I thought, this looks like fun. Huh. And I've always loved the way that the cello sounds. It's such a nice deep, haunting sound. And I thought, look at how young these kids are. They're learning how to play an instrument. And I never had that opportunity when I was when I was young. And so I do not or did not know how to play an instrument. And uh, I thought, yeah, I wonder if I could learn how to play the cello. And so after I did my story, I went back to them and I said, uh, do you think I could sit in with you guys and and learn to play the cello? And they said, "Yeah." And it was a it's a huge time commitment. commitment it's yeah. it's <laughs> um it, it, it meets every day after school from 4 to 
And these kids are getting free music lessons. Wow. How often are you there? Um, not, well, not every day at 4 <laughs> 30, I bet. <laughs> well, I, I, it was better in the first year. But, you know, my, my job comes first, obviously. Yeah, sure, and, right. you know, I have adult obligations. Uh, but I would be there as, as often as, as possible. And I am slowly learning how to play the cello. And even these, these uh, little successes are incredible. They make you feel great. I, I totally mean, and, know what you mean. And, and yeah. the instructor would give you a sticker. And I would be there with the other kids and I would get a sticker. Do the kids, really are the well. kids like accepting you? Um, yes, <laughs> yes, but some are puzzled as to why I'm there and and one girl kept insisting, you know, you shouldn't be here, you should be in college and I didn't want to tell her how many years ago it was that I was in college. Well, but, that's pretty cool. You know, but it's the kids, the kids are just, they're great. They're great. I think yeah. – wasn't there an Adam Sandler movie when he had to go back to kindergarten or something like that? I'm picturing there was some movie where there was yeah. a guy uh, Arnold who Arnold Schwarzenegger. Had, was it Arnold Schwarzenegger? Okay. Kindergarten cop, <laughs> That's I what think. I'm picturing. I can't that, believe that's um, in that, my brain. That, um, oh, man. It's it's not called back – yeah, back to school. Back to school. Yeah. With oh. who? Uh, no, Adam Sandler. Oh, oh, Billy Madison. It's Bill, Billy Madison. Oh, it's Billy oh, Madison. Yeah. That's Sorry, what I don't watch Adam Sandler yeah, movies. He has to go back and get his degree before his dad will give him his inheritance. Okay, so that's the cello story. Oh, well, yeah, oh. no, they they put me in kindergarten because they said, "What instruments have you played?" And I said, "None." Right. And they said, "Okay, we're putting you in kindergarten." And I was, have you moved up to first grade, or are you still in kindergarten? Um, I'm in third grade now, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I think. But uh, because of you know my requirements on my time, I'm not able to be there, as you said, every every afternoon. Understood. So now I'm just going Friday Friday afternoon. So okay, so you've established that you didn't play any instruments when you were a kid. But right. what, what was the musical background of your childhood there in New York City? It was. Fabulous. First of all, I'm I'm the baby of my family. I have three older brothers. Mm. And by the time I was five, they were all teenagers. Oh, wow. Okay. So they were listening to music. And just by osmosis, just by being there, you know, I was hearing hearing all this cool stuff. And I grew up in New York, as you said. And FM radio was coming into its own. So there was a station in New York – WNEW that was an FM station and it was experimental and you didn't have these suits telling disc jockeys what to play so they played whatever they wanted to Mm. play so they would play like an entire side of an album an entire album they would mix things up you would have Janis Joplin and then they would play Billie Holiday and then you would get some heavy metal thing or you would get some soul song and it was just – Sounds like the way radio ought to be. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I I totally agree with that and I I miss that but it was the best education – to hear this, to hear this. You never knew what you're going to hear next. Sometimes they would have themes and it was it was just – it was fabulous. What were your parents listening to? Were they <laughs> – did they have musical tastes that were distinguishable? Uh, well, my dad, I think – well, he liked to listen to sports. So he would listen to the, the Mets play on the radio. But um, he listened to what I would call schmaltzy music. 
Understood. Um, so I guess that would be you know Sinatra and Tony Bennett and that type of thing. Right. Uh, my mom listened to talk radio, and then there was a show that she listened to. It played every night after dinner, and it was – I don't know what it was called, but they would play an entire cast album from a Broadway show. Oh, wow. Both both sides, A and B side. And and um, I, I heard so many musicals, and I had not seen the musicals because right. I was a kid. And um, it was really something when I got older that I would – got into the profession that I'm in now and reviewing shows and I would go see musicals and I'd go, oh, I know these songs. That's what 42nd Street what looks <laughs> like. <laughs> huh. And 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 I would just I would just these songs would be so familiar because I would play them over and over again and you know, so each, you know, each night it would be, you know, Hello Dolly or Mame or uh Don Don Quixote or whatever. Oh, Man of La Mancha. That's, sorry, that's the title. Were your folks into Broadway musicals? I mean, if she was listening to them on the radio. We, did, you, did they ever go to shows you know, there in New York? Uh, my dad didn't. My mom, my mom did, but not, not as often and as I would And you didn't get to go to any to. of those when you were a kid? Some, some. I think through, through the school. I mean, I remember seeing um, Your Good Man, Charlie Brown. I remember seeing Fiddler on a Roof. Um, I see uh, Pearly Victorious. Um, saw some things at Lincoln Center. Hmm. Just yeah, not not as much as I would have would have loved to. Having reviewed shows over the years, is there one you've seen the most? If you had to guess, I know you probably haven't kept numbers, but oh my God. is there one that you're like, I can't see it again? <laughs> I would die a happy woman if I never had to see Nonsense again. Okay. Um, but I mean, I love Candor and Ebb shows, Chicago Cabaret. Uh, once was here recently, and I went and I saw that three three times. And that's we, we saw it one time. The music live yeah. on on stage, and in the beginning they have a pre show, and you can go up on stage and be very close, just a couple feet away from the musicians. My daughter and I got to go up there. We were lucky enough to be at one of the tables where the Mater D guy was like, you know, if you go up on stage, you're going to get to be there. So, yeah, I yeah, saw – Yeah, anybody it was, can it go was magical. up. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, hmm. it's incredible. Um, if I say early musical memory, if you had to dig back, is there something that you go to in your head? My earliest or early? Just, just early. early. So whatever, whatever that question may um, go bing. Well, listening listening to those Broadway shows, show tunes with my mom after after dinner every night. Um but just just listening to the radio. I mean, that, that was when, you know, transistor radios were big and uh so I, I heard a lot of stuff on AM as well, uh the popular stuff, uh Beatles and Stones and but but this this FM radio station just open doors. I mean, you never knew what they were going to play. And they played things that were so different than Top 40. Hmm. Do you remember the first music you owned? That is a good question. Um, I do remember one Christmas getting uh, Tommy by The Who and uh, the Rolling Stones album that, I don't know, was it Gimme Shelter? What had the uh, 
Richard's looking. <laughs> it had the thing like this, Richard. It had the, the <laughs> <laughs> No, it was it was a bunch of stuff on a turntable. Hmm. Like cake, not just albums, but cake. And they were they were on on the top of it. I'm sorry I don't know. Well, that's okay. The name of that. Let it bleed is the name of that album. Let it is bleed. Is it Let it bleed? Okay. Yeah, it's All got right. it's got uh it's got like a cake on a turntable. Yeah. Pretty pretty 19, solid first, yeah. first music. You know, yeah, pretty, pretty solid answers to that one. Yeah, that and and probably uh, I would say Melanie too. I was a big Melanie oh, fan back wow. then. Um, she wrote "Candles in the Rain" and uh, about Woodstock and Jim Brock. Do you know Jim Brock? You must know yes, Jim Brock. Yes, I know. He, he had, yeah. one of his three songs was a Melanie song. Oh wow! Hmm. Okay. Um, okay, it's time for your first song. Okay. Would you like to tell us what it is? Uh, my first song is "Stand." by Sly and a Family Stone. And uh, they were an incredible band. They were one of the first integrated bands, which was not big back in in the 60s. Uh, White people, black people, uh, they had women. They weren't backup singers. They were musicians in the band Mm -hmm. playing and Hmm. singing. they combined funk and soul, a little bit of psychedelic in there, uh, R&B. It was, it was just a, a combination of so many things. Um, and people know things such as uh, Dance to the Music and I Want to Take You Higher. But uh, I was really touched or moved by their songs of optimism and uh, Stand is just, just a great, great song. I heard it when I was a kid, and I think I, I took the words as my own personal manifesto. And what is it now, 50 years later? I mean, it's still – I don't want to say it's still – I don't mean to make a pun. still stands the test of time. I right. mean, it, it's, still, it's still fresh. Right. You know, and I still, I still believe in its words. Hmm. You want to listen to it? Let's listen. All right, stand by Sly and the Family Stone from the 1969 album of the same name. Stand up for yourself. Have the courage of convictions. Can you remember? You said that was like a manifesto um, for your life. Can you remember a time, you know, early on when maybe you made a decision or did something because you felt like you had to do what you knew you had to do? Wow. <sighs> I can be kind of ferocious in uh, fighting for story ideas that I think are good hmm. at the paper, and uh, sometimes editors don't don't like that. But if I'm convinced something is going to be a really great story, then I stick to it and I try to make my my point about it. What was uh, going through your head as you were listening to that? Were you thinking about being a kid? Were you thinking about being you now? Were somewhere in between? Um. Wow, I wasn't thinking about myself. I was just thinking about the music huh. and just just how how fantastic and how fresh his music is, and 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 that that groove and that 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 funk. I mean, he's just. <laughs> I, I I know it's not you know what I what what albums ten albums would you take to a desert island and and I would have too many albums to pick, but I think. 
a Sly and a Family Stone album, probably their greatest hits would be would be one I would bring with me. Did you ever get to see them live? No. Hmm. No, I did not. I was too young. Hmm. Um, when was the last time you listened to that? Before now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, probably the other day. Okay. Yeah. How do yeah. you listen to music these days? Is it like a Pandora, uh, Spotify thing, or is it you have records at your house? I do have records. I have CDs. <laughs> I still listen to CDs. Sure. They still work. <laughs> um, I would listen to more radio, uh, music radio, if – it were more diverse and more eclectic, like it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I listen. I listen on, on my laptop too. I listen on my my MacBook. So, um, what stations do you have preset in your car radio? <laughs> um, is one of them ninety point one? Yes, yes. Actually, one is one is one is NPR definitely. Um, Wow. Well, I, I'm I'm a little stumped because I'm not. You don't really technical. Use it for that. I don't I don't listen that way. So yeah, I go yeah. all over. I mean, right now I'm listening to Christmas music, but then the other night I switched over to like a, music, a station that was playing hip hop. Um, Have you discovered ninety three point three the Tiger? Yes, they yeah, do. And I did a story about them. Okay, because I live I, right there in, in you know near the, the Dunbar, Dunbar and so I can pick it up clear yeah. as day. Yeah, and yeah. they do stuff on the weekends at least because I don't really listen during the week. That is descri- right what you were describing, where it's like, wow, oh, okay, and now this, and now this. They what what they well what yeah on the weekends what they do is interesting during the weekdays like Monday they play music from the sixties. Oh, okay. Then Tuesday it's music from the seventies. See, I had I had even ever tuned them on. During the and week, and then well, you're working now. I know, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm working on the other side of the county. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the music, yeah, it's somewhat eclectic on 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 the weekends. And uh, I wish that they would announce that they had some way that they would announce what the songs are, right? And they don't come up on your screen either. Yeah. And so there's some really cool things. Yeah, it's because it's like and, it's and like it's, a low power station. You know, and they're basically but, just playing a playlist of songs. I don't. Yeah, really think, yeah, yeah, and it's the same. It's the same loop. Oh, is it's it? It's the same loop okay. all the time. So if you listen. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. So I. I that's a little frustrating. I, I would like to be mixed up a little bit, but I'm glad that that station exists. Do you leave on the radio either with NPR or music or something for your cats when you're not home? <laughs> or maybe, maybe the TV? <laughs> uh, sometimes. Sometimes. I, I will tell you what I have. I have a CD called Music for Cats. Okay. <laughs> and it's um, – I'm scared I'm going to mispronounce his name. They were composed by David Ty, T-H-I-E. I'm guessing at the spelling. We're, we're looking here. Uh, oh, uh, t- t- ooh, ah, that is hard to pronounce. T-E-I-E. T-E-I-E. But I – T-E? Yeah, I don't know how I would pronounce that. He, can, you, can you play us a little, Richard? Oh, oh we're, yeah, that's happening right now. <laughs> yeah. Hello, kitty. <laughs> no, listen to this, though. It, can I talk? Of course. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's cello, and that's a cat purring. Holy or, or, moly. Or it's a, a, um, 
It something like at a, a, at a, at a or, or something that would sound like a cat purring. The same, I don't know what you would say, megahertz? Is yeah, that, uh, yeah. That's a, the, the, uh, yes, the, I know what you mean. Frequency. Uh, frequency. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you where I heard this. I heard this on NPR and someone was interviewing him. Of course him. you did. <laughs> and I, You're I not going to hear this on 92.5 Fox News. That's I for sure. parked the car <laughs> and I said, music for cats. And, and I thought, you know, this has to be a joke. But this this guy did scientific research and 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 composed the music and then they did ex- – I don't want to say they did experiments on cats. They experimented <laughs> by playing the music for the cats to see how they would respond. That track is called Katie Moss Catwalk. <laughs> Do you have some, some, of some of the other names? You have some of the other names. They're really great. Uh, Lolo's Air. Yeah. Um, here, I'll go to that. Can I'll you play to... some of that? Yeah. Lolo's Air, yeah. Sure. I'm totally going to play. I'm going to play this. I have a dog and a cat, and I'm going to see what happens. This is Lolo's Air. It really mellows them out. They love it. It's like baby Einstein for cats. <laughs> Kitty Einstein. <laughs> they, it's, I know it sounds weird, but, but, it's, but it's stuff you can listen to as, as a human. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so and fascinating. And the cats love it, and, and some of it is like uh, the sound of purring or the sound that they would have heard when they were a kitten next yeah. to their mom. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, yeah, so like, so heartbeats and 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 just that that uh, that frequency, yeah. So that's that's what I play. That's my the thing I learned today. Metro and byline, yeah. Um, and I, I learned that from NPR. And and I got I interviewed the guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Isn't that cool yeah. that sometimes you get to hear, come across something in the world as a journalist, and then you're like, well, I'm just gonna do that. You know what I mean? Oh, like suddenly I love you get it. to go from being a receiver to an interactor. I love, I love, love that it. about that's, my job. That's yes. And you can <laughs> ask people things that other people might consider rude, but you can just, you know, ask ask a person. Yeah, yeah. Uh I interviewed Daniel uh Pinkwater one time, uh, children's book author and I think he was an NPR commentators as well, and he had written a, a book called Fat Men from Space. And um it's about these these aliens that come from space and they look like fat men and they had these these plaid suits and and so I said to him, "Are are you a fat man from space?" What do you I say? Can, he says, "I can neither confirm, confirm nor <laughs> deny that." You know what's that statement? What's funny is, is I wouldn't have known who he was, but within the last few months, um, they you know Car Talk on Saturdays oh, they're in reruns them. now yeah. and. And it was an older episode, and they were talking about how airline seats were getting narrower, and they needed to come up with a metric for how to measure how big butts were. And so they, they brought are, on and, Daniel Pinkwater. And stadium seats, too, and, yeah, and, and theater and, seats. And yeah. they brought him in, and they came up with a metric called the Pinkwater, which was the width of his butt. <laughs> and I Googled him when I got home and learned that he was who you say he was. So that's the only reason he was, I know He that. was a fun guy to interview. That was, boy, that was back when I was uh, writing for the – the Chicago Tribune, as as a regular freelancer, I got to I got to interview him. How did you wind up but, in arts journalism and crit- criticism? Um, well, I mean, I, I grew up in New York, uh, in Brooklyn, and I was always interested in in the arts, in in music and in art. And uh, I guess if I didn't become a writer, I I would have uh, been in the arts somehow. Uh, I did get accepted to the High School of Art and Design. And decided not to go there and went to uh, an experimental high school instead where I could take arts and a lot of writing, writing courses. 
Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just I just blessed to be in New York and be surrounded by so much culture and just on the street, you know, you'd walk yeah. down the street and some guy'd be playing a saxophone mm-hmm. or something. It's just it was just there and it and it just intrigued me. And the museums, it's just Yeah. Um so I, initially I was in um <laughs> medical medical writing. Oh, that's different. Uh, well, you know, doing uh, in-house magazines. Right. And the, but the corporate world was just not for me. Right. I, I was very, very, very uncomfortable in that. And a friend of mine told me about the Chicago Tribune that they were starting a new Sunday section. And she said, uh, you might be interested in writing for that. And I said, Yeah. And uh, contacted the editor and talked to her and pitched her some ideas. And uh, my first story in the Chicago Tribune was in the Sunday paper. It was above the fold and it was a story about a photographer who drove around the state of Illinois and made a coffee table book of all these great photos of different things in the state. And I was just immediately hooked. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, you know. Yeah, above the fold on the Chicago (laughs) Chicago Tribune. Do you remember the the Sunday paper? (laughs) Do you remember the first thing that you reviewed where you were put in a position of not just interviewing somebody, but, you know, caught, you know, coming up with some sort of judgment or opinion on something? No, no, I don't. I'm sorry, too I don't many. remember that. There, there have been so many. Um, it might have, might have. I don't know if it was for a weekly paper that's no longer there in, in Naperville. But um, I know I started I, after I was doing those those stories for a while um, for the Chicago Tribune. That editor said to me, Nancy, I, I noticed you really like arts and entertainment s- stories and. Uh, perhaps you might want to write for our arts and entertainment section, and I said as well. And I said yes, <laughs> yes. And so she introduced me to uh, a different editor, and I started writing for him. And eventually, he became the Tribune's Chicago Tribune's rock music critic. But oh. I would write write things for him. They would send me out to do reviews of theater, of uh, concerts. I re- but I'm sorry. I really don't remember That's what okay. the very first one That's was. Okay. Wow. Hmm. Well, it's time for your second song. Oh, okay. So uh, it's it's get it, Bojack. Get it, Bojack. Yes, yes. And so, what, what you what were we gonna look up? But well, she wanted to know what Bojack meant. So it's Bo, like B B E A U. Yes, yeah, right. Like and then and then Jacques, like the name. So it means big guy. Big yeah. guy. Okay. Yeah. So get it, big guy. Yeah, and he Bojack was something like six four or he's a big guy, and and <laughs> and just physically big. He was he was like a like a mountain. He was like a mountain. Uh, and this is this is Zydeco music, which is um, well, I was introduced to it by it's like, seeing it's like Cajun blues. Mm. Like <laughs> you're talking to a, a, an entertainment funkier, funkier than Cajun blues, funkier, <laughs> much blues. much funkier. I mean, if 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 you if you want to say it simply, I guess, but it's but it's inaccurate. Uh, uh, Cajun music is generally played by by white bands, 
and they usually have a uh, fiddle in it. Um, Zydeco music, usually more black bands, African-American bands, but uh, accordions and um, – the rub board too that is played that is played with spoons that was me and it's a lot and it's a lot it's a lot funkier would you say uh, but you say but maybe? then you have cajun bands who say oh we're going to play a zydeco song and they'll play a zydeco song for you and then there's you know zydeco bands and they'll say oh we'll play we're going to play a cajun song for you so it's would you say uh, like creole blues we're trying to find a short a shorthand for it is all because that's oh man I, I, Cajun music makes you want to move and you can do a two-step to it and you can waltz to it. Zydeco music just makes you want to go crazy. Huh. <laughs> See, that's a good shorthand. <laughs> I don't know. Does that, does that help? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, I, and I was introduced to both, both Cajun and Zydeco music when I went to the movies and I saw The Big Easy which had Ellen Barkin and I want to say Dennis Quaid in it. And I, I knew about New Orleans music. I knew about Dixieland music. But I had never – I don't think I had ever heard Cajun or Zydeco music before. And after I saw the movie, I went out. I bought the soundtrack. I played it. Uh, that was another thing where – uh, being in journalism, I could go out and interview someone, and I found out that this guy, uh, Terrence Simeon, and his band were going to be coming to Chicago, and so I interviewed him and did a story about about them, and I went to, I think it was the Harold Washington Library where they performed, and to just hear the Zydeco music live, wow, it, it, and that, and that, uh, grating rhythm on that on that rub board and the accordion. The accordion's really a sexier instrument than people <laughs> would think. It's it's, I an, mean, it's, it's an it's easy not punching all, bag for I a know, lot of people. I know, it may not always be accurate. Well, so well you know, it's okay. not old lady of Spain. I have a, so, I, I have an accordion thing for this because this is driving me nuts. Is that yeah? If you it's because when you hear if you hear like um like Austrian. Like like an umpa sounding accordion, then you think like yeah, that's kind of weird and dorky. And then but the when you think of French music, like if you say like what is a romantic fine dining restaurant with French music, it's an accordion. Like that's the <laughs> instrument that's in the background. So it like it's it's not a silly instrument. It's the it's the kind of music that's being played through it. Like that's culture tr- trust. That's true. Yeah, it's the kind of music being played through it. Hmm. I mean, I remember going to Old Town School of Folk Music in Chicago and seeing the McGarrigal sisters perform, and and uh, they kept switching out instruments and and accordion and mandolin and different things, and it was yeah, it was just spectacular to to see that and the the musicianship that they had, but but um, uh, to get back to this, seeing uh, Terrence Simeon in Chicago, my my first Zydeco concert. Uh, at one point, they had uh, they were going to play a waltz, and the guy playing the rub board put it down. He was a young man, and he walked up to this elderly African American woman sitting in the front row, and he stood in front of her, and he bowed, and put his hand out, and she stood up, and they waltzed to the song, and it was just so stately. And so 
moving and to see the different generations together dancing together to the music. And I thought, yeah, I want want to know more about this. And uh, I started going on a regular basis to this juke joint out in uh, western suburbs of Chicago, Berwyn. And they would have Americana music. They would have country music. But they had a lot of bands come up from Louisiana. And they had a lot of Cajun bands and they had a lot of Zydeco bands. Uh, I even took a dance class so I could learn some basic steps. <laughs> um, so I can I can do a two-step. I can do a Cajun two-step. I can do a waltz. You can go crazy. I can do, I can do a basic <laughs> – yeah, well, <laughs> I can do a basic Zydeco step, yeah, and uh, which is a different – Different kind of beat, um, and 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 uh, yeah, I miss that. I miss that like crazy because you would go. It was it was like a community, you know. You would go and and there was this little dance floor, and actually this was the place where they filmed uh, the dance scene from A League of Their Own. Oh, um, so it's this little little wooden dance floor, and people would dance together. Strangers would dance together. Um, you know, if there weren't enough guys, you know, women would dance together. And there is nothing like dancing to this music or and dancing with someone who really knows what they're doing and, you know, leading you. It's 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 like what ice skating must must be like. Hmm. Yeah. And I did get to see Bojack I, I in concert. Um I think he he died when he was he was very young. I think he died in his in his forties. I would I would think, but I was I was really glad that I got got the opportunity to to see him. What is it about this song that made it to your list? This song, well, it's it's recorded live, so it really captures the energy and the craziness and the sense that. You know, you're twirling around and maybe you're going to twirl off the planet. <laughs> uh, well, let's listen to it. Uh, Get It Bojack by Bojack and the High Rollers from their 1995 live album, Get It Bojack. And it's a live album, like I said. Rank it up. Bojack done got it, I think. That is how the accordion should be played. <laughs> is, is he playing the accordion? Yes, he's okay, playing I was, the accordion. I was, I was assuming he's, that the yeah. whole time, but I wanted yeah. to clarify. And he, would, he would wear this like purple suit. I mean, really nice looking, nice looking man, and just just impeccably dressed. And man, I mean, if if you don't want to move when you hear that, man, you, you're dead. I remember the first time I experienced Zydeco. Like I can remember. And it was like you're saying. It was just like, whoa, this is like high energy. There's so much going on. There's so many layers. And it's just got something different about it. It it almost seems like it's constantly speeding up, but it's not. It's it's the same tempo, but it seems like it's getting faster. It's like like festival in a a song. It is. It is. It's it's just a big celebration. People just – Get out on a dance floor and dance together, and and that's you compliment the musicians by by doing that. And I, I remember being at one show. It wasn't wasn't a Bojack show. I think it was uh, Buzu Chavez, and and uh, he was having such a great time. And he he 
you know, he hated for the, the concert to end. And he just he, he said, uh, you know, he, he invited everybody to his house <laughs> and he started giving directions to how do you get to his house when you're in Lake Charles, Louisiana, you know, and you turn here and you go down there and you go to his you house know, to get to his. To go, no, I didn't go to his house. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anywhere here in town where you can hear that kind of music? No, I'm trying to think of not the, that v- I different know venues of. that. Yeah, I not would think you know would know of. if anybody I, knew. I would love to. Yeah, I would love to hear this, but hmm. I, if there is maybe like a watered down yeah. version, but but nothing like the bands that would consistently come through this place in hmm. Fitzgerald's in in Berwyn, uh, Illinois, just just outside of Chicago. I mean, it's just just incredible, and it just opened up a whole door to to this new world of of music, and and it's kind of interesting because. Um, the people that were growing up in Louisiana uh, for a while, they they didn't want – they weren't interested in, in Zydeco because they felt like, oh, that's, you know, that's our parents' music. Oh, interesting. That's like, you know, old town country. It's, it's yeah. you know – and they were like, yeah, we want to get into rock and roll. Yeah. Um, but it's it's made it's made a resurgence and a, and a revival and um, – yeah, there was even a, a guy that was like the the little Richard of 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 Zydeco. The little Richard of Zydeco. The little Richard That's of quite Zydeco. A, quite yeah. An image. <laughs> yeah, uh, Clifton Chenier. Hmm. Clifton Chenier. And and I would I would urge people to go you know look this up online. Go go to YouTube. You can even uh, see videos of people dancing to Zydeco. And it's and it's it's wild. I mean, well, depending on how how what steps you know or what you can do, but but it's it it kind of has this. This tension that you see in swing dancing or jitterbug, where it's this kind of a push, push pull. I can almost. picture yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, what brought you I here to? It. What brought you here to Fort Myers or to Southwest Florida? Um, well, I came here uh, for a job, and I thought I would be here just for a couple of years and. Um, Move on we to captured you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I am. I'm captured. So I, I came down to work at the news press, uh, arts and entertainment job. And then Florida Weekly's been there for what? Ten years, maybe now. Oh no, no, thirteen. Thirteen. Okay. Thirteen. Yeah. And you've been there that whole it's time. Thir- yes. Yeah. It's either thirteen this coming uh, April or. You guys are in new offices 14. now too, right? Yes. How's that? Yeah. Very quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Just because it's bigger, or because it's spread out differently, or we don't have to talk too much about it, this. But yeah. I, hadn't, I hadn't been to the new office yet, so I was wondering. Uh, lots of glass, lots of glass, hmm. glass walls. So some people look like they're like in a museum display, or okay. Um, are there any current bands that you listen to that you're into? Like you know, stuff that's would be on the charts. Wow. Um, I like Lady Gaga. Me too. I like That's Missy. about my like, only answer to that <laughs> question. So Missy, Missy Elliott. Oh, okay. Um, I love Alabama Shakes. I would love to see them. Oh, okay. Um, wow. Well, well, he's not on the radio. I sing about concerts that, that I've seen. What's the most recent concert you've seen? 
Isn't it funny how that works? <laughs> they, yeah. Well, they all they all blend together. I mean, there's well, well especially for I, you. I'll you're... tell you. I'll tell you something that I saw that I was really blown away by, and I and I think it was like one of the top top ten concerts I've seen in my life. Uh, was I, I went up to St. Pete and I saw David Byrne oh. in his uh, what is it America? Yeah, America the one Utopia. where they all come out barefoot. And... They all come out barefoot yeah. and they're all in these gray suits. And the band is mobile, so no one is just sitting there or just standing there in one place. And the whole show is choreographed, but it doesn't seem artificial. It's just organic, hmm. and it's it was just very clever, very creative. And I've I've always wanted to see David Byrne. I'm mean, a big Talking Heads fan. Um, and and the show was just remarkable. It was it was so creative. They had these these walls of beads, like like silver beads, and sometimes hands and arms would stick out from them. And just just yeah. And now he's on Broadway. He he brought the show to Broadway for for a few months. I know that because of NPR. <laughs> I know that because I went to see it. Not not on Broadway, but but. What it was, it was, uh, uh, yeah. And you got so to see that for for personal reasons. For personal reasons, yes. Uh, that was going to be my, one of my questions: yes. is how often do you get to do things like musicals or plays or concerts or other art things for personal reasons? Not often enough, and it's a very blurry line, right? Um, because. Everything is fodder. Everything is, everything is research. Yeah, I mean, so life if, is if, research. If, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, if if I if I go to see something or see someone in concert now, perhaps I won't be writing about them, or I haven't written about them. But that doesn't mean that I won't be writing about them in the future. So it's good to have that that yeah. experience and that and that firsthand knowledge. And and then it also helps when you're talking to someone else. When I'm interviewing someone else, uh, another musician, and they might mention someone, and I'll say, "Oh yeah, I just saw them." Blah blah blah, and they'll go, "Oh," and that makes for a better interview because they know that you know what you're talking about, and you're on the same page. You've seen the right. same musician. You're or, not just dr- parachuting in. I'm you, not just you, you know yeah. like reading reading questions. You know, yeah. wrote questions that. I could be asking anybody. Yeah, and and I and I, I genuinely have I have a real passion for the arts. I mean, for music, visual art, theater, books. I mean, it's it's my love. So it's 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 hard to put a solid line there and say this is work. This is personal life. Though it does feel better. It, no, it feels different. It feels different when I'm going to just hang out because I don't have to – I don't take notes. You're paying attention, but you're not – I'm, I'm writing attention. a story later paying attention. Right. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember I was I was at a concert at the, um, at the Barbara B. Mann here in Fort Myers and I don't remember who it was. But uh, I was I was told this story afterwards by by their publicist, and she s- said she was with somebody. And I, I know at one time they turned around and they looked at me, and then she said the woman had said to her, 
I don't think she's enjoying herself. <laughs> and the publicist looked at me. She, she says, no, nah, she's just working. <laughs> yeah. Do you take active notes when you're at, at like a, a show that you're reviewing or that you're going to be writing about? Do you have a notepad that you're yes. jotting down thoughts as, yes. it's, as it's happening? So, yeah, you're not just yes. soaking it in and hoping you remember the right things. Yeah. I, I want to I remember it correctly. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, okay, it's time for song number three. Okay. What do you got? Uh, I have number nine by Moon Hooch. And this this was a band I discovered. Uh, I went back to New York to visit and had dinner with my nephew. This was in Brooklyn. And then he walked me to a train station. I was getting going to take the train back to my my hotel in the village and even though I'd grown up in New York and had ridden the subway all my life, this was a station and a line I had never been on okay. before. And, I mean, that happens. I mean, it's such a huge sure. system. And I went down on the station and was waiting for the train, and I heard these just weird, loud honking sounds <laughs> and and um i went over and it was this it was a band playing and it was these i don't know how else to describe it the three skinny white boys playing college age um two saxophones and a drum which which was an unusual yeah you say that to somebody and they're like okay yeah yeah <laughs> And I listened to him and listened to him and my train came and I didn't get on the train and I stood there for at least a half hour to 45 minutes, I would say, just listening to him and enjoying them. And my train kept coming and I kept not getting on it because it, it was it was one of those perfect New York moments. I mean, it was it was like outside. It was like just a perfect day. The air was balmy and and I was just so happy to be back. And my hometown, and and just just the energy and just the diversity, and 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 stumbling across this band. And when they finally took a break, I know I, I talked to them and I found out that their name was Moon Hooch. I can't remember if they had a CD. I'm sure I bought it from them, and they told me about their their website, so I could check them out. And I just love the name. And it was um, it was just this kind of out there. Jazz, but it was it was it was a music that could uh, hold its own with the the subway cars coming in and screeching and the loud the loud noise. So well, now they have a couple albums out. Well, I and they performed all over the world too, but but unfortunately not in this corner. Well, I have uh, the album version. Okay, and then you you mentioned maybe a live version, and so what I found is they did an NPR Tiny Desk concert. Yes, they did, and this was the yes, middle song. Did. So I have this to you get to choose right now. Do we want to hear the Tiny Desk live version, or do we want to hear the album version? Let's go live. Okay, okay. well this is then um, uh, Moon Hooch. Uh, the song is number nine. And Craziness. This, and this was uh, and yeah, picture what she was describing as far as the three skinny white guys, two, one giant saxophone, one normal saxophone, and a little drum kit. Uh, this is their tiny desk concert uh, right there at NPR's headquarters. I, 
can yeah, I can hear that in the subway. <laughs> I, I think they were going into a different song there, but but yeah, I didn't know when to cut it off. Wow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they kind it, of blended them all together in the you, tiny desk. I don't. For those who are still with us, <laughs> I, you can see why I was like mesmerized and and still standing there on the on the subway station listening to them. Oh no, absolutely, it was it, 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 incredible, and and had not. And still have not heard anything like that on the radio <laughs> at all. Oh, yeah. No, you that's – <laughs> I, I had a friend who had been talking to me uh, and, and, and he was saying how discouraged how discouraged he was with, with music nowadays and he wasn't hearing anything new and it all sounded the same. And, yeah. You know, I was kind of tending to agree with him. It's kind of like pre, pre-processed right. stuff. And and this, this was definitely a – breath of fresh air <laughs> you know when i was looking them up they have a bunch of videos on youtube of this song and you know like and one of them was just they're like yeah we were just driving down the road and they said this was a scenic spot so we're gonna play a little music and it was just them sitting in front of like a scenic overlook playing this song <laughs> oh i haven't seen that one yeah yeah wow that was what i was gonna wow. pick until i found the tiny desk concert as a live one and i was like well i gotta stick with that yeah and i think that's uh bob's favorite one of his favorites from from the Tiny Desk concerts. Oh, really? So, okay, cool. Yeah, one of his favorite guests there. Hmm. But um, yeah, and I think number nine is a is a is a train too. I think there's a number nine train. Do you happen to remember if they played that when you were there, or yes. was it, you definitely yes. remember that? Yes, I definitely remember that one. And I think it was the Bedford Bedford Street Station in Brooklyn, Williamsburg. Hmm. Um, but I, I just love that. Just, just like stumbling upon upon things. I know, isn't it great? I mean, there's 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 great uh, musical things that happen too that not necessarily happening uh, on a stage. I don't know if it's a couple stories I could I could tell you. Yeah, go ahead. Um, one was I was I was at a writers conference, a week long writers conference up in Maryland. I think it was um, narrative nonfiction writing and. Uh, at the at the very end, the last day, they had an event in this big auditorium where people would get up and you would read part of what you had written that week, what you had worked on. And you had very little time, maybe two minutes, five minutes or something. But uh, some of the writers just, you know, did not think that the rules applied to them. So they would read much, much longer and so the event went on for much longer than it was supposed to uh-huh. and people were getting restless. And so one of the facilitators got up and said, OK, well, you know, we need to get back on schedule, but but we need to take a break. And uh, so he said, you know, you might need to get up and stretch or move around or there's coffee out in the lobby if you need to get some coffee. He says, you know, or just sit there, just, you know, talk to your friends or he says, or I don't know, sing a song. And someone started saying Henry VIII. I'm Henry VIII. I am. You know, (laughs) the old Herman Hermit song. Yeah. And uh, – some brave soul, and after that first line, like everybody just joined in. It was just a spontaneous thing. This auditorium full of people singing this this old British invasion song. You singing too? And, oh yeah, I was singing along. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great thing to be with a group of people that are really singing, and you can just belt it out too. And and then I was looking around, and I realized that the audience fell into two camps, people that knew the song and were singing it 
and then younger students who were looking at all of us like, oh, my God, the world has gone crazy. What is this song? How does everybody know this? And what, you know, they were just, just the look on their faces was just, was just (laughs) priceless. But that was a nice communal feeling. Um, And then there was uh, an incident that happened here in Fort Myers. Uh, I was, I was at a gay bar on a Sunday afternoon, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, and they were having karaoke. And I was just sitting there, you know, drinking my Coke and just listening to people. And it's just great to hear what people get up and uh-huh. what they what they sing. And um, and at one point, these two guys walked in and the hair on the back of my neck just kind of stood up. And I thought, oh, no, there's going to be trouble. I just I just had this gut feeling. And these these two guys looked like they did not belong there for lack of a better term, I apologize for using this word, they, they look like rednecks. I would have bet any amount of money that they had some white sheets in their in their trunk and, and some hoods. And I thought, oh, no, this is going to be trouble. I don't know why they were walking into, into this bar. And um, at some point, they got up on stage and they called this 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 other guy that was there. They they were insisting that he sing, and uh, he was an African American man, and so he went up and stood on the stage with them. And it was just like the oddest pairing to see the three of them standing there together. And they said to him, "We want you to sing Amazing Grace." And they urged him to sing Amazing Grace, and he started singing Amazing Grace. And then the three of them were standing up there, like with their arms around each other, mm. and the entire bar started singing "Amazing Grace." And it was a cappella, and it was it was heartfelt, and it wasn't just the first verse. I mean, they went through a number of verses, and it was just an incredibly moving moment and it was totally unexpected yeah. because when these guys walked in I thought oh you know they've come into the wrong place or they've come in to cause some trouble and and um yeah it was sad too because I I know that there must have been people there I mean they they knew the words but there must have been people there who had been felt rejected by by their church and hadn't had the opportunity to sing something like this. Hmm. And it was just it was just this this communal feeling and everybody everybody singing all these verses of amazing grace. And you know what's amazing it's is that spontaneous. You know, we 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 talk with this show about you know song stories. They, you know, that's a song story. Yeah. And probably for a lot of the people were that were in that room. You know what I mean? They, that is something that if they hear amazing grace, they're going to think about they that think time. Think about that. Because it it creates that magical feel around things, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, and it was re- really a family family feel. It was just very warm. Hmm. Yeah. Um, if you could learn any instrument besides the cello, instantly, what would it be? Or would you rather just jump to the end of the line with the cello? <laughs> wow! It would be incredible to just sit down and do whatever I wanted at the cello. Yeah. 
and that that is many, 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 many years coming. Well, um, just keep pecking away at um, it, <laughs> boy. But if I could, if I could play the accordion like these these Zydeco musicians, that would that would be great. But but then you know I could make a case for almost every almost every instrument. I want to draw and, and vocally oh. too to just like you know. Do open. you sing? Are you a singer? I mean, you mentioned singing in a crowd. You mentioned watching I karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will watch karaoke. I will not get up and sing karaoke. I mean, you know, in in my in my high school years and my junior high years, I mean, I was I was in the chorus. Okay, um, and that's that's a great feeling to be singing in harmony with mm-hmm. other people. Um, but I, I, what a gift to just be able to open your mouth like Patti LaBelle or Bernadette Peters or, oh my gosh, uh, uh, Retha Franklin, mm-hmm. Mahalia Jackson. Mm-hmm. Just open your mouth and have, have these sounds come out and just be able to connect with other people, with other people's hearts that way. Um, I want to draw attention to the fact – I meant to mention this earlier, but I'm yeah. going to bring it up now – that the okay. first two songs that you chose have exclamation marks at the end of the <laughs> title. What do you think that means? Oh, my editors would be so upset. <laughs> well, some of them, they're like, don't third use one should have been, uh, Third one should have been Tank. <laughs> what, what was that? <laughs> what? The third one should have been Tank. Yeah, Richard's – one of his songs was this song called Tank by uh, – The Seatbelts. And it's got an exclamation mark. So it's a mark. jazz it's song, with Tank with an exclamation mark. Well, <laughs> Is that just a coincidence, I guess? Hey, no, there's nothing wrong with uh, being emphatic and having exclamation points. That's <laughs> that's my opinion. And actually, there's a, there's a group, um, and there's different ways to pronounce their name, but their name is three exclamation points. Oh. And so people will say, click, 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 or or huh. this is a musical whatever. group. Oh yeah, yeah, huh. yeah, yeah. Well, Great. Tick, 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 tick. tick. We say we say chick, chick, chick when I've heard people say it. Chick, chick, chick. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hmm. I learned that from Luke Flannery. Oh, okay. Um, um, what was your process for choosing your songs? Did you have a process? Was it? I know it was hard. You you told me a number of times how difficult. You were so cruel. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean to 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 just. So just pick three songs. Well, I know it's not supposed to be your favorite your favorite music, right? So you know, other things would have would have been in here as well. I mean, I was thinking of other Sly and a Family Stone songs. Um, you know, I was thinking of Mahalia Jackson. Um, love David Byrne. Love Talking Heads. Uh, love Sam Phillips. Not the Sun Records producer, but the the woman. Oh, I don't musician. even. I don't even know who. Oh, that is. she is so undervalued and hmm. not known. She's yeah. Uh, she's written some music also for the for the Gilmore Girls. Okay. Uh, TV show, but she, she, yeah, she just has a great voice and and a great quirky way of seeing things. Uh, so my process, my process was just to uh, struggle and struggle and struggle and listen <laughs> to a lot of music. And um, I think uh, it was a Curtis Mayfield song that was that was in there. Um, but then I knew that I had to have some kind of a story mm-hmm. around them. And that's not always 
easy. Yeah, we know. And <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, really, I think on any other day, you know, you could get me and I could have three other songs, three different songs. I mean, it's just I have such a wide musical taste. Uh, there are some genres I don't listen to. I don't particularly care for or artists I personally don't don't like. Uh, but but there is so much more that's out there than than a top forty and um, you know as I said I I grew up listening to this FM radio station that played anything and everything um, and that was a time when even Broadway songs were on played on the radio and people listened to that. Um, as somebody who uh, has done a lot of interviewing. Have you ever been interviewed before like this? Not necessarily like, like long form interview. I was wondering that as, as we were talking. I'm like, you probably not, maybe not, haven't been interviewed for an hour before. I no, not for <laughs> not for an hour before. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's very interesting to be on the other on the other side. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. I remember because yeah, I, I, I've but been you know, in the chair I, too. I think I think the best the best interviews sometimes. Uh, you know, it's not like. Okay, here's a question. All right, all right, here's another question. Here's a different question. Um, I think the best interviews are basically having a conversation yeah. with someone and uh, it's like you're you're listening to what they're saying. You're not just asking a question just to get feedback from them or facts. You're wanting to know more about them or about the subject and then if they say something, you can go on a – on a tangent, yeah, and, like and cat if, music. Yeah, <laughs> yes, music for cats, music for cats. Yes, and and uh, just you never know. I, I'll give a lot of free reign, and I'll take the time, and I will let someone talk, and you never know where that's where that's going to go. There have been occasions. Uh, well, when I when I've interviewed people who are musicians or people who are singers. And um, there was someone, I believe it was from the Chieftains, and I was interviewing him, and the photographer was there as well, and this was this was in Naples, and he was very nervous about getting his picture taken, which I can understand, and he said, "Would you mind if I played my my flute because that would help me feel less nervous?" And we said, "Yeah, go ahead." And the photographer's like, "Go ahead." And so we got this private concert. Hmm. And sometimes when you're talking to musicians uh, on the phone, interviewing them, uh, maybe someone like like Mavis Staples or or uh, Patti LaBelle, and they'll be talking and they'll mention a song and then they'll start singing. Hmm. And they're singing to you. I mean, there's no one else right. there. Yeah. And it's like, wow. Yeah, I get to do this for a job. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, we but are, it's hard work too. Oh, yes. oh, yeah. No, don't. No, yeah, no, I, I know. I understand. Um, can you recommend uh, any? We, I asked you if you can come up with three people who you would recommend for the show. You don't have to if you don't want to. Um, one person I would say is Greg Cott. And he is the rock music critic for Chicago Tribune. Okay. And he was one of my editors when I was when I was writing for them. Okay. So he knows music. I'm I sure. would I think. I would love yeah. to hear 
but his personal stories. That would sound uh, that would be great around them. Um, there is a literary agent, uh, Christopher Schelling, who loves music, and we've just bonded over over our, our love of music. He is in Connecticut. Okay, okay. He is in Connecticut. Yeah. If you're asking for local people, it doesn't have to uh, be. No, not necessarily. I don't know. I will. I will hold on to a third person. You got it. Um, but I, I, I will give you some names. I promise. Okay. And yeah. and last question: Are there any songs you'll avoid listening to, and not because you don't like the way they sound, but because they have a negative connotation somewhere in your memory or life? Hmm. Negative connotation. Well, I mean, there are songs that I feel have been overplayed by the radio. So okay. I, don't, I don't know if that's what you're asking. I mean, I love Led Zeppelin, but, um, you know, Stairway to Heaven has been overplayed. You know, I'd rather hear Immigrant Song or, or Ramble On. Um, um, Jimmy Buffett. Um Sorry, Jimmy Parrotheads, <laughs> Jimmy Buffett fans, but uh, um, that Margaritaville song, um, you know, yeah, it's it is your own damn fault. So, um, suck it up. Uh, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> things that have just been overplayed and overplayed. Um, oh, having my baby—that's an old seventies song that one. or something. Hmm. Um, to all the girls I loved before. Oh, that's Willie, right? That's uh, Willie and Julio. Willie and Julio. Willie and Julio. And I was not a huge. This is interesting. I was not a huge Willie Nelson fan for the longest time, and uh, then I heard his Teatro album, which is very spacey. I think it was f- recorded in a Mexican theater. Hmm. So it's. Not quite like dub music, but it's very spacey and echoey, and I just loved it. And um, yeah, because I didn't like you know to all the girls I loved before, I I wouldn't listen to him. But now now I will listen to Willie Nelson, and I've I've seen him in concert, and it's interesting. He's not really as much country as he is jazz. I interesting mean, you see how how he plays. Yeah. So sorry, I no, talked for hours about. No, that's okay. And I just um <laughs> um I just I've never seen Willie, and he's coming to town. And number I, of I, times, I, got, yeah. I got tickets to the show that he's coming in February. I think it's some, February or March. Okay. Yeah, like um, Hertz Arena. I have floor seats, me and my daughter. Oh. First time I've never seen him. I figure I better get it while the getting's getting. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Very, very, very interesting. He's very interesting. He plays this beat-up old um, guitar, and and uh, that was one of the ones that got away. I was supposed to do an interview with him, and uh, basically the publicist said, well, all right, stick around, stay by your phone for this this on this day during these hours, and if he calls you, he calls you, and if he doesn't, well, he doesn't. And so I sat and I waited and waited, and it was like you know a girl in the fifties waiting for a guy yeah. to call her to the prom, or you know, and well, he, he didn't call. He didn't call. So then I had this problem. I had a story I had to write, and I didn't have an interview with him. And so I wrote about waiting for him to call me <laughs> and I was listening to his music while I was waiting oh, and so I wrote about the albums that I was listening to and and you know different songs on them and and my reactions and you know 
So well, Willie Nelson never called me, but I got a good story out of it anyway. That's interesting that you said that because what I was going to say is, is, well, at least, you know, not many people can say they waited around for Willie to call. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I'm sure there are plenty of women well, waiting true. for Willie to call and uh, he hasn't called them. Uh, well, that's all the yeah. time we have, Nancy. We're, right. we're at the end of the three-song oh, road. I'm sorry uh, do you about have, that. No, do you have any <laughs> final thoughts? Anything you want to leave us with? Oh, music! Music is like air. Music is like air. That's a good place to end it. Yeah, thank can't you. live without it. Thank you. And can't live without stories either. Uh, amen. We make this show in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is online content producer and sometimes host. Chris Duff is his executive producer. Our theme song was made by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, we're going back one year to episode 49 of this podcast with my little sister Megan. Her first song story was also a core memory for me. When I was in third grade, she was in first during an after school movie when they asked her to fill time because of a technical error by getting up on stage and singing a song for everyone. This is Sweet Inspiration, Where You Lead by Barbara Streisand from the 1976 version of A Star Is Born. And they said, well, what song would you like to sing? And I said, oh, I think it's called Sweet Inspiration, Where You Lead. Now, when you hear that title... What would you think? Well, I mean, yeah, it, it, it seems benign they enough. They probably thought it was something. I told him, I said, something this is from church. Something or some, from church. Some, like, it sounds. It album. sounds like a church song. I yeah. said, this is a song that my brothers and my mom and I sing in the car, and so they thought, oh, okay, great choice. And I walked out on stage, and I began to sing the song you're about to hear. And not long into it, they discovered that it was completely inappropriate, completely wrong, not just to, not just to sing for the elementary school, but for a first grader to sing it. <laughs> and they proceeded to escort me off the stage and in the was, middle of the song. And this was a cappella, right? Oh, all a cappella. <laughs> yeah, there was no music behind any of, the, any of the songs that we did. Everything was a cappella. And they removed me from the stage. And I was devastated. I had no idea why, because I had no idea what I was singing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what getting satisfaction meant. <laughs> <laughs> but now I listen to it, and I just, I, I love that little first grader even more. Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. Apparently I've been playing drums forever. Do you remember the time when you started? Uh, I, I remember we're... Um, uh, I, I don't remember how the room looked, but I remember being on this kit. At, at the time it looked so big, mm-hmm. but I remember I would just, just bang on everything just like kind of wildly. Just <laughs> <laughs> might have been like my first memory. Yeah. So that's when you were – he was still in diapers. We have pictures of him in Oh, in yeah, that was right. That was right. Oh, my God. I, re- I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> that. I was in my diapers. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. There you go.